Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Hey, what's up, guys? It's Mike Lynch. What's going on? This is Rashad. This is the Sports Sunday Podcast. Thanks so much for listening. It is now brought to you on the fan by your local Les Schwab Tire Centers. Doing the right thing since 1952. Kick the tires and light the fires, Big Daddy. The matchups, the superstars, the games. Starting defense, place at the table. This is Football Sunday on The Fan, a comprehensive look at today's National Football League action with your hosts, Mike Lynch and Rashad Taylor. You all know what you have to do. Remember, no one, and I mean no one, comes into our house pushes us around this is football sunday with mike and rashad on 1080 the fan well hey it's an early edition of football sunday this morning oh so a really early edition i know i think all three of us are feeling it right now it's cool you know we could be dusty cam or crawford Right, 6 you know, to 9 a.m. every yeah. single morning. So that means you have to be up at like 4.30 or some jazz like that. Or I don't, I'm don't. i not sure where Cam and uh, uh, I know Crawford does, doesn't live too, too, too far away from the station. I'm not sure where Cam and Dusty live, but. They live decently be. far, but that early in the morning, there's not going to be any traffic, right? So Shouldn't be, but still, it's just early. You got to have your lights on, you know, when you're going to work. Oops. Just super early. Yeah, but I think. Um, it's weird. I feel like the uh, if you did it every single day, it wouldn't be quite as bad. Like I think you'd be more tired in general, but you'd get used to waking up early. You would get used to having to be up at four or whatever time it is. And and when we do this this early, and it's the only time in the week that we have to get up this early, it's like yeah. Shout out to the people that actually do have to be up and and work that graveyard sh- graveyard shift or, or or something like that. So, man, you're the real MVP. Well, yeah, or anyone who just works somewhat normal jobs in the morning where they have to get up at like 6 a.m. every day. <laughs> well, I, <laughs> I mean, I don't want to do that. Getting up, it's, it's it's definitely tough, you know, getting up at 6. But, you know, we got teachers and all those people. There. That's that's a normal time-ish for people to get up, I guess. But 4 in the morning, 3.30 in the morning, I got to be at work at 2 a.m. Little stuff like that, like then, yeah, you're, you're definitely the real MVP. Uh, we got a lot of stuff football-wise coming up on the show today. Remember, it is a shorter show because of uh, the Seahawks being on a bye. So we've got the game, as you heard on Jesse's update there, coming up at 9.30. But on the show today, we have our Fantasy Scramble, of course, at 8.45. So go ahead and text your Fantasy Football Start Sick questions to 55305 at the Bridgeport Pierce text line. And we'll get to as many as we can there. We might extend that into the 9 o'clock segment if we have enough also today, NFL-wise, Teddy Bridgewater might be back sooner than you think. And will he be a huge impact player for the Vikings, especially because of Sam Bradford's injury woes so far this year? Also, some of the weird things in the NFL that we've seen thus far, and there are plenty of them. It's been a strange start to the season, which it always seems to be, but even some of the most trustworthy teams and players are not exactly playing well. Ben Roethlisberger. So we'll talk about that coming up in the nine o'clock hour. We also have our West Coast bias, hate it or love it coming up then. But uh, let's start 
as we always do, with college football. And it was a very, very wild week of college football this week. Everyone was kind of saying it was going to be a down week because there were no top 25 matchups at all. Uh, there was uh, there were pl- obviously a lot of top 25 teams playing, but they weren't playing other top 25 teams. And whenever you say that, you know that it's going to be a wild week in college football. And it was. Four top 10 teams fall this weekend. Number two, Clemson. Number five, Washington. Number eight, Washington State. And number 10, Auburn. All losing in the same week. Uh, two of those, the two Pac-12 teams, in pretty embarrassing fashion. And uh, I guess we'll start there because... For the Pac-12 to make the college football playoff this year, they needed UW or Washington State to go essentially undefeated, possibly only get one loss. Um, but assuming that one loss was to the other in the mm-hmm. Apple Cup, right? Um, losing to Cal and Arizona State in the fashions that which both those teams lost is going to really, really murder the Pac-12's chances to get into the college football playoff unless there's some sort of craziness that happens elsewhere in college football because those are bad losses, and those don't look good on the resume when you come to the end of the year. No, they definitely don't. I think the 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 one – I mean, I was, was going to try to find some silver lining there, but there there really isn't any. You know, the, I mean, USC almost lost to Utah, but at least Utah is kind of a good team. That was so, – I mean, that, that wasn't expected, but that was – yeah, I think a lot of people kind of thought USC would would lose to to Utah. So I don't think that's super super surprising to anybody. But that great Arizona State defense, eh? You know, putting putting a, a lid on Washington and Jake Browning just looked JV the the entire day. It was it was super strange. And then you go look at uh, what Washington State did or or didn't do for that matter. Three points, word. That's that, that's that's what you were able to 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 muster up was only three points against Cal, who I mean and mind you taking nothing away from you know Wilcox has got them Justin Wilcox has got them playing some amazing football. He's up kind there. of the coach it's, of the year so far. I, I I would say so. I mean you, you you're looking at a team that's that's four and three. I thought everybody pretty much thought Cal was going to be one of the doormats of the Pac-12, and for them to be as good as they are, that that's saying a lot. But are they supposed to beat Washington State? And let alone beat them by 34 points. Well, Wazoo had seven, I repeat, seven turnovers in the game. Luke Falk threw five interceptions. They also lost two fumbles. And if you watch that game at all on Friday, you could kind of tell early it was going to be Cal's night. Everything, I mean, there was obviously some bad play, but every single tip was going the Golden Bears way in that game. And you were like, uh-oh, here comes another upset just, you know, an hour after Syracuse beat Clemson, which I'd like to talk about a little bit, too, at some point because, well, you know, I was giddy on Friday. Um, but I, I think I think we as gen- general Pac-12 fans kind of expected Washington State to lose before Washington. And, I mean, it happened against Cal. It was a really ugly game. It's not exactly a Mike Leach-Washington State performance. Well, actually it might be, but it hasn't been this year. But to me, the more surprising was UW getting basically blanked by Arizona State until the fourth quarter. Arizona State's defense is not good. They are not a good defense. They're not. They give up like 30 points a game, and they held Washington to seven. And Jake Browning to a 17 of 39 for just 139 yards. They held Miles Gaskin to 60, I mean, 60 yards. It's just they just didn't show up, or Arizona State showed up hardcore. I, I mean, I, I don't know which one to pick. I didn't get a chance to watch a lot of this game, but I don't. I, I don't know what to say. I thought Washington was better than this. Well, like yeah. you said, I think most pundits kind of thought this week was going to be kind of, you know, kind of just another another week in college football. No ranked teams playing each other 
it should be a relatively easy week. And so I think a lot of these teams kind of went into this week just thinking, uh, we get, we can play half-assed and 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 still win. Like there's there's no way, you know, Washington thought that Arizona State would beat them. There's 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 not a shot in hell. They went to that game saying, man, this is a good team and they can have anything can happen. We have to watch for this, this, and this. No, they said, man, we're gonna whip their ass. And they the opposite. And I think Washington State did the same thing. And mind you, Washington State isn't a team that's I mean, over the past few years, they're not used to being in this position. You know what I mean? They're not a, a, let, a, a top twenty-five team, let alone a top ten team. You know, when was the last time we can say the um, the Cougs were a top ten football team? I mean, it's been since like two thousand two, yeah, two thousand three. You know, somewhere around there. So I don't know if I think winning is is, and we can say the same thing for UW. Outside of last year, like when have they been? Like that again, two thousands. It had been know? a very long time. It's been yeah. a long time. So I think uh, that it that has something to do with it as well. Yeah, but they make the college football playoff last year. UW. Um, Chris Peterson has another year. They get their quarterback back. They have their running back back. I mean, yeah, they lost a lot of defenders to the draft, but I don't, I don't, I don't think they should be losing this kind of a game at this point in Chris Peterson's tenure. However, I did see kind of all over the social media sphere yesterday that. Washington fans were not exactly surprised based on the history of UW playing at Arizona State. Uh, they struggle at ASU in Tempe, and that kind of continued yesterday. I don't. It's hard for me to buy into that kind of stuff with college teams because players switch so many times and coaches switch so many times that it's like it's not the same guys losing in the same place over and over again. But there maybe there's something to that. Maybe they just Arizona State gets up for Washington or, or whatever. But it, it's uh, that's not a game you should be losing. At least Washington State. I looked at it and went, that's a terrible loss, but I could see that being a game they could lose because, you know, they're the Cougs. No. And even though they're really good this year, I still kind of was waiting for that Coug loss to happen, and here it is. Yeah, um, and, I, and I think that's there's still a lot of people that were waiting for the for the other shoe to drop and for the Cougs to show they are who we thought they were. But I will say this. Whenever you're a team that throws a lot of, you know, deep balls and stuff, I mean, you got to be prepared for some of those to be picked off. You know, Jake Browning... Or excuse me, um, Luke Falk is known for, you know, putting up, putting points on the board. And I think sometimes you, you live by the sword, die by the sword. And that's kind of, you know, what happened a little bit. So if you're, you got to live with Brett Favre throwing, you know, five touchdown passes, if, you, if you're willing to deal with the, the four picks that he's going to throw at the same time, it's just, you, you got to take the good with the bad. And this was just some of the bad for, for uh, Washington State and Washington. All right, coming up next, let's take a look at the Oregon and Oregon State games. Oh, jeez. I got an interesting stat for you from the Northwest teams, at least three of them. And uh, we'll take a look at the Ducks losing to Stanford and Oregon State losing to Colorado. That's next here on Football Sunday on 1080 to the Field. Football Sunday with Mike and Rashad on 1080 The Fan. It's 8.15 here on your Sunday morning. Streaming should be back for those who were looking for it. Check it on the 1080 The Fan app or 1080TheFan.com. We'll also have the show up afterwards on the Electro Tires podcasts on both of those locations. Uh, remember, our fantasy scramble is coming up at 845. So if you have any questions, start sit wise for your fantasy team. Go ahead and text those in now. We'll get to as many as we can in that segment. Also, hate it or love it, West Coast Bias Styles coming up at 915. So our two weekly segments are there. But I want to get into a little bit of the more local college football action from this weekend. 
even though it wasn't exactly pretty. And that was... It was not pretty. Uh, well, some of it. It wasn't even cute. Well, some of it was okay. You know, it wasn't even like, oh, well, man. Well, you know, when they ask you, oh, man, is she cute? You're like, oh, yeah, she cool. Yeah, it wasn't I, even that. You're like, forgetting the Beavs. The Beavs actually almost won. <laughs> Gary Anderson's I mean, gone. Corey Hall comes in and replaces him. And in the first game, they miss a field goal that would have tied it. Uh, it was a 51-yarder. But um, it was actually on point. It just He just didn't have the leg for it. But they actually... Played well against Colorado, and that was a, that's the positive. So, yes, Oregon lost badly to Stanford, and we'll get to that in a second. But let's start with some of the positives here for Oregon State. Um, I don't know how much you've paid attention throughout the week to the stuff we've had on the station about the Gary Anderson stuff. We were all kind of shocked that it happened, right, at least now. I don't think we were surprised that he was leaving or getting fired based on the start of the year. I think I was a little bit, but... I was. That's We were on the show just that last week saying how who else are you going to get? What else are you going to do if you lose Gary Anderson? Right, so. but it it sounds like he's the one who went to Scott Barnes and said, yeah, I know, I want out. You broke it's, up with them. That's kind of what it sounds like. Um, there's been reports of infighting among all the assistant coaches, and Gary Anderson kind of lost control of everything, and that's kind of why I think he had left. And I think the reasoning he said was that he didn't want to fire the coaches and start from scratch again. He wanted to leave and allow the whole program to start from scratch again, which I I guess is smart, but I still don't know who you're going to get who's better than Gary Anderson if you're, if you're the Bees. Uh, maybe Bo Baldwin, if they can go snag him from Cal. He's only been a coordinator for half a, half a season now after leaving Eastern Washington. That might be a good fit. Um, but either way, looking forward from this win or this loss, but the, the 33 points scored, three-point loss for the Bees, Ryan Nall ran the ball really, really well, uh, got three touchdowns. Daryl Garrison didn't look great. He's not going to look great. He's not supposed to be the starting quarterback, but uh, he did enough to kind of keep the offense clicking through the passing game. And frankly, it was just kind of a different energy that I saw on the field. And I think that happens naturally sometimes when you get a new coach, right? It's a He brings a different energy, so you as a player are going to react a little bit differently. Um, but Corey Hall's never been a head coach before. He's been an assistant for only three years um, uh, with the Bees. So it's not exactly like he's experience at this and I don't frankly think they're they're planning on keeping him I think he's truly an interim because they said they're going to start a national search like now yeah I mean for how, a head coach how so. many times have we seen that though like we saw it with you know Ed Orgeron you know for for a bit it was at USC you know for you know whenever there's a new coach that comes in but they didn't keep him they didn't keep him though you know but whenever there's a new guy that comes in and brings some new life and you know says some stuff and you know I think they what they do is I think these new guys come in and acknowledge what the last coach wasn't doing more of and stuff like that and so kids hear that especially we don't see this in the nfl we very seldom see a coach leave or get fired during the season and then the offensive coordinator or d-line coach or whomever steps in to be the head coach you know we don't really see college football is really the only time we get a chance to see a coach let go or you know quit in the middle of the season and someone step in and kind of start leading the charge so yeah i just think you had somebody come in and say, man, let's just play for each other. Let's just have fun. Let's get back to playing football. All those motivational things that you want to really say to a bunch of 18 to 21-year-old kids. I think that's what he came in and did. And they played some inspired football. And like you said, they just came up, you know, a, a little bit short on, on a field goal that or that could have tied the game for him and put him in a good position. But I'm, I don't know if I expect it to last. You know, like, I mean, that, that unless there's really a new culture that this interim coach is going to bring in, which, you know, we got to keep saying interim because I don't believe they're going to keep him. No, it seems it seems very temporary. And from his interview with uh, Primetime this week, it was a very, very strange 
interview. So you, you can definitely go hear it back on the Les Shop Tires podcast. But he said basically that they asked him if this is like your dream to be a head coach, and he kind of hesitated, and it was weird. It doesn't seem like he wants to be a head coach yet. So that's that's part of it. He didn't seem fully in con, in control. Like he was trying to keep his story straight. You know that they told him don't say anything. Uh, that's damning of the programmer of Gary Anderson, and he was trying to keep his story straight, and he kind of messed it up once. He said that he uh, the team – it was announced to the team and he found out on Monday and then they asked him, when did he get the call from Scott Barnes? And he said, Sunday. So like he was trying to keep his story straight. It was weird. It was a really strange interview. So it just kind of felt like here you deal with this for five games and then we're going to go our separate ways. And that whole staff's going to be torn down anyway. So if there's infighting and then there's, and there's stuff going on where they're trying to kind of undermine each other, that's all going to go away at the end of the year because whoever the new head coach is going to want to bring in his own staff anyway. No. Yeah. That's, that's typically how it goes. All he can do at this point is make sure you coach those kids up enough to be competitive for them through the rest of the season. I mean, really, uh, unless you do just a bang-up job there, then I don't think there's any any chance that he's even kept kept on as part of the staff next year. You know, really, usually, like you said, with a new coach comes a, a new regime of, of folks that come in. So, you know, just con- consider this, a you know, an L for the season. Uh, we also had the Oregon loss that happened yesterday, and that was – that was something. It was 49 to 7. The only Oregon touchdown coming in the first quarter, a Braxton Burmeister rushing touchdown. And frankly, it was one of the ugliest Oregon games that we have seen in quite some time. Now, Justin Herbert's injury is absolutely massive, right? Their backup was Taylor Alley. We all saw what Taylor Alley could do, what, a year and a half ago when Vernon Adams went down and he came in for a little bit. It was not good. So that he comes in and you're like, whoa, this is bad. He threw a pick right away. Then you have the true freshman who you burn his red shirt and Braxton Burmeister, and he's out playing alley in practice, and he comes in and he does fine for his first game last week. I mean, he didn't make the best plays, but he looked, you know, somewhat competent. And then this week comes and he is three for eight for 23 yards and two interceptions, obviously no touchdowns, and the one rushing touchdown. Wow. He had a three quarterback rating. Three. <laughs> Not like 33 or like, no, man. I don't think I've ever seen that before. I've never. So that means, and he threw two picks and eight passes. That means a quarter of the passes you threw were for interceptions. Like, this is a bad game. The only bright spot any part of this game was uh, the battle between um, Royce Freeman and... Um, Bryce Love. Bryce, yeah, uh, Bryce Love. That's the only good part about this game. Like, you saw two really legit running backs, arguably the two best running backs in the country, that just put on a show for, for their teams. But Let's it, not it, forget Saquon Barkley from Penn State here. He's the best running back in the country. Okay, fair enough. In I'll, my opinion. I'll, yeah, I'll, I'll definitely give you that. But for Royce to be, be in that conversation along with Love, it's just, you know, that, that's, that's saying something. That's the only good spot of your team right now if you're the Oregon Ducks. Now, where was the defense? Well, look, this game, th- this game was a, was a problem from the get go because with Braxton Burmeister at quarterback, you cannot expect them to to pass the ball well, right? You just can't. You know that once Herbert is out, you're in for a world of hurt at your quarterback position. So you got to run the football, right? Stanford has a great run defense every single year. They've got big bodies up front. They can stack the box. They know you're not going to throw, and they can just stop the offense. If that's going to happen, then guess what? They're going to get a lot of possessions, and they're going to get a lot of chances to score points. Oregon's defense is not 
like that much better than last year. Obviously, it's better. Obviously, it just played better. Jim Levis did a great job in one year, but these guys on the team are basically the same guys that were on the team last year, so they've made small improvements, but it's not like the defense is that much better. Um, so I think giving up 49 points to Stanford, like, yeah, okay, that's a lot, but it's not necessarily unexpected based on, on the situation. I've seen a lot of Duck fans livid with Willie Taggart already about his play calling, and in some cases, he has been too conservative this year. Um, when he's had a lead in the Nebraska game, and I want to say, uh, I forget what game it was. It might have been the Arizona State game that I'm, that I'm referencing where he just kind of got too conservative late. And that is a valid concern. But in this game, what do you what is he supposed to do as the offensive coordinator? If Burmeister's got a three-quarterback rating, what is he supposed to do? And then he brought in Taylor Alley, who, by the way, had a 2.6 quarterback rating, two for five for 10 yards. I mean, come on. He has to run the football. And they actually ran it pretty well. I mean, or at least Royce Freeman ran it pretty well. But when you're running it almost every single play, 43 runs to 13 pass attempts, I mean, what do you expect? I you're mean, not supposed and, to win and, games and, like that. And you're looking at a situation to where you don't have you don't have any receivers. Let's just let's just let's just go ahead and be 100 percent honest with each other. Like the ducks do not have a playmaker outside. Not one. They've had injuries. They've too. had they've had tons of injuries. Charles Nelson is clearly you know the best receiver on the team, and he's banged up yep. you know at the moment. So and he's really a number two. He's not a number one receiver like on on most college teams. He's probably not a number one receiver. So this is where the Ducks are struggling. You know, it it, it helps to have a Justin Herbert, but it also helps to have a Dwayne Stafford, Stanford, or a, a Darren Carrington on on the other side. And if we keep going back to um, guys like Jeff Mayo and Josh Huff and, you know, where are those playmakers on the outside? That's what the Ducks are missing right now. Everything else. Well, one of them is in Utah right now. Yeah, one of them is in Utah. You know, Although, we, we look, know I'm that. not going to. That was the right decision. Of course based it on was. Of, of no, no, no. Of course it was. And I'm not saying. But he was supposed to be him. their receiver. This yes, year. he was. But now we're looking at a situation where you don't have any athletes on the outside. You know, Devin Allen's not walking through that door. So. How are you going to make plays? How are you going to score points, especially if with an with an air raid attack? Well, you don't. You give the ball to Royce Freeman, and you cross your fingers that he doesn't hurt himself. And this text says, is Herbert really that good if you never pass your run game will not work? Yes, Justin Herbert is that good. Now, look at – you've lost three straight games. Yes, he's I that mean, good. Next time he plays, watch him. Watch him, not just the play, but watch how he throws the ball and how he sets up in the pocket and everything. He is legit. Justin Herbert is absolutely legit. And everyone always kind of ignores him when they talk about the Pac-12 quarterbacks. Because he's about, a sophomore. Well, he's the only reason that they ignore him. And because Luke Falk is putting up Madden numbers and because... You know, Jake Browning was the right. was plays for UW. Browning was a Heisman candidate last year, yeah, and Sam Darnold is like the big and Josh you know, Rosen, and so he just gets left left behind. But you know, I, when we talk about that. I honestly think that Justin Herbert might be the best of all of them in the long term. Obviously, right now, some of those guys are more polished than Herbert is, but Herbert plays so smooth, and Herbert is. He is that good. I don't know how, how else to describe it. But. How could somebody ask that question? This is this reminds me a lot of when Dennis Dixon went Absolutely. down. And, and if you if you're a a really you know big Duck fan, you remember that, and you remember what happened after that game. Like like Dennis Dixon put up like the Dennis Dixon led Ducks put up more 
yardage and points in the first eight minutes of that game with Arizona than they did the rest of the game against Arizona and the game uh, with UCLA the next week. That's how much Dennis Dixon meant to that team. Now let's fast forward like 10 years later, and you're seeing the same thing. This team actually had a good offense under Justin Herbert. Two games later, 17 points. That means something. Your quarterback obviously means something. He, he obviously is that good. There's proof in the pudding right there. Absolutely. And he really, he needs to get more respect, but uh, hopefully he gets back sooner rather than later. There's been some reports that he is healing faster or it wasn't quite as serious of a fracture in his collarbones. So he might be back after the short four-week deadline versus the six-week deadline. Um, if to, if this week's game had gotten moved to the air quality, that would have helped the Ducks immensely. But uh, I'm glad the game was able to play just for the fact that the air quality is fine-ish, not super bad down there in Northern California because of the wildfires. So, um, this is the crazy stat that I had before we break. Oregon hasn't been held to seven points since 2007. Oregon, Washington, and Wazoo haven't been held to seven or less in the same week since 1963. Mm. That's how bad of a week it was for the Northwest, and the Beavs led the teams in scoring with 33 points and still lost. So so who was the worst of, the, of those three teams this weekend? Who was the worst? I'm, Washington I'm, State. I thought it was. Washington about. State had seven turnovers. Seven Five interceptions. It was awful. That game was awful. Wazoo looked bad. <laughs> like, really, really, really bad. Yeah. And it, with the expectation level, uh, that's where I kind of go, who looked the worst? That They looked the worst to me. I don't know. They should have beaten Cal easily, and they got absolutely smoked because they couldn't take care of the football. You know, the, the, the Ducks could have been, should have been much more competitive in this game. Uh, not just offensively, but defensively, they were pretty bad too. Well, so that's, remember, that's pretty disappointing. People have started overvaluing the defense because of how well they've played under under Levitt. This is still a very similar defense to last year. They've just improved. They're not that much better. No, no, but still, still disappointing. This text pretty hard to blame Tab Taggart for the empty cupboard at quarterback. Correct. Yes. Had some transfers um, once, like Travis Johnson left or whatever. Yeah, Travis Johnson. That's what he changed his name to from Waller. Um, he left after he didn't get the job once again. Um, they have nobody. But they, is, they have nobody. It, it is your job as the head coach and head recruiter, man, to get those guys in there. And so that's this going to be – This is his first year to, the, to kind of fill the cupboard this, again. This is going to be – it's going to be an interesting summer to see how he's able to fill said cupboards. But the problem is that nowadays in college football, if a quarterback within his first two years doesn't get any starting time, he leaves because he knows that there's a place to go. It happens at every school. If a quarterback doesn't, if he's a backup for three years, he doesn't want to learn. He I mean, wants to go play. I mean, but shoot, we don't know if Herbert decides to go to go pro after next year, you know. So there's there's a there's a great chance that that whomever comes in next is only sitting for a year and ready to take the reins after that. Right, but they have Bra Braxton Burmeister too. And ignore his bad performances right now. He's a true freshman who doesn't look ready to play. If he's the starter after Herbert, then the guy that they brought in or two guys that they brought, someone's going to transfer again. That's just kind of the state of college football right now. Mm -hmm. All right, coming up next, we'll switch gears to the NFL. Could Teddy Bridgewater come back and play well? We'll discuss next, but first, Jesse S. Sports Hunter. Football Sunday with Mike and Rashad on 1080 The Fan. 8.37 here on your Sunday morning. Oh, he's so hurt. Football Sunday until 9.30 today. I'm looking at these. It's hard to get ready for football. We're watching soccer first, and these guys are like, oh, oh, my gosh, my hip. 
Well, that guy's it's old. It's a flexor. Yoshida's kind of old, and he kind of got elbowed in the side. So he can go Man, down. Man, he should that. go take a nap then. Don't don't play, don't play. be out there playing. <laughs> take a nap. <laughs> They've been watching too much NBA, all that flopping out on that field. By the way, guys, the NBA starts in like two days. Like Wednesday. Tuesday. I'm super excited for what? this. Why does it start so early? Is it my tripping? Or like NBA it's starting a week early. They did it intentionally because they wanted to reduce the amount of back-to-backs and kind of crazy road trips that some teams had. So they're starting it a week earlier just to kind of give a couple of extra days. Might even be a week and a half really. That's nice honest. of them. Look at the NBA caring about their players. Well, I think, and also, I think the first day on Tuesday, there's actually, like, I'm going to double check here. There's actually, like, two really, really interesting games based on the storylines from this uh, this year. Yeah. Five o'clock on TNT, you get the Celtics against the Cavs. So Kyrie Irving playing against the Cavs immediately. At, so, uh, at Cleveland? At Cleveland. And then the the night game is Houston Golden State. So you get Chris mm. Paul on his new mm. team with James Harden against the Warriors. Talk about first good day of college or of not college of NBA. I think that's gonna be a dope game. I'm looking forward to see what happens with Kyrie and, and Boston. And I think there's I mean Did you see him kind of already throwing some shade at the Cavs. He was like, oh, this offense is so much more open and easier to play in. Stop Well, because LeBron's not stopping the ball, Kyrie. Listen, I'm a big big proponent of not bad-mouthing your former employer, especially when that former employer made you a star. Like, how are you going to hate what made you rich, bro? Like, stop it, Kyrie. Because LeBron's hard to play with. We we know that. LeBron's hard to play with, but you win. Like, I don't don't get it. Cavs haven't won much. uh Uh-huh. They haven't won much. They keep losing to the Warriors. Man, you, you the, the the Cavs, and I know this is football Sunday, but the Cavs were at the bottom of the Eastern Conference for the four years that Kyrie was there. LeBron came, and you go to the top of the Eastern Conference into the finals every year that he was there, and you want to leave? You're an idiot. So this is this is worse than the KD thing. But I'll talk. We can talk about that on Twitter. <laughs> hey, we've already had our hot KD discussion. Yeah, this I'm, is worse. I'm very different than yeah. than you you guys. Actually, I'm different than a lot of people yeah, with that he, opinion. This is there. worse than KD. Uh, I saw this today, and I thought it was pretty interesting because it's a guy that I liked a lot when he first came into the NFL, and that's uh, Teddy Bridgewater, the Vikings quarterback, former Louisville quarterback. Uh, if you guys remember, it was two years ago now that in practice he basically shredded his knee, uh, multiple ligaments. Um, Super sad. Too. Kneecap injury, really, really bad. And he has not stepped foot on the football field since then. And I saw this today. The Vikings are going to take him off the physically unable to perform list, the pup list. And they will now have 21 days to decide whether or not he can be activated or if they're going to put him on the season ending injury reserve. And frankly, with the Sam Bradford injury issue and Case Keenum being your backup. Now, granted, I will give some credit to Case Keenum where credit is due. He's actually played pretty well as the backup in Minnesota mm-hmm. so far. Um, but he's Case Keenum. I could see the Vikings activating Teddy Bridgewater and seeing if they can get him some game time this year as long as Sam Bradford continues to be hurt. And just on a like pure human level, that makes me happy because I really like Teddy Bridgewater. And the way that he went down, I mean, it's sports and life are unfair, but it was really unfair. Like in practice, to have your knee destroyed just that badly and you were already being hyped up as one of the best young quarterbacks in the game, you know, it all kind of gets taken away from you like that. I'd love to see him just come back, especially the way the way it happened, like you mentioned at practice. But it was a non-contact type of thing, you know, just kind of running. I think that's what what they were doing, and you know, down goes Frazier, and that's that's really sad, especially because there was so much expectation 
for the Minnesota Vikings last year before that happened. Like, everyone just assumed, like, with that defense and with these new toys that he had to play with on offense, um, a, a healthy Adrian Peterson, you know, the, like, things would be better for that team. And that happened, and then AP got hurt, and then just things just went down the drain for the most part. They were still really competitive, though. And so now fast forward a year, and Case Keenum has kind of kept the team afloat since Bradford has been down with injury. But Bradford's always down with injury, and so that's not incredibly surprising to anybody. So if you have an opportunity to activate Teddy Bridgewater, that's exactly what you do. Case Keenum, no disrespect to him because he's one of the great backups in the NFL right now. But he ain't Teddy Bridgewater. And if Bridgewater is able to do even 75% of what he was able to do prior to him getting hurt, that, that puts them in a much better position. Absolutely. And the question I have, and uh, Jesse kind of laughed at me when I said this last segment, so I want to see what he has to say about this too. The question I have is, are we going to be able to see Teddy Bridgewater at all near the level that we thought he was going to be when he went down with the injury coming back? It doesn't – I mean, he had, like, nerve damage in his leg. Like, he, it was bad. Mm -hmm. So I don't know – as much as I'd like to see it, I don't know if we're going to see a, a good Teddy Bridgewater again. Not, not this year. I'm yeah. saying, again, like, is he going to be able to come back and play quarterback? I think we'll see him as, as a quarterback. I think he'll, he'll have to change some of the – Way he way he does things, you know. I'm, I thought Teddy Bridgewater is really going to be one of those guys that tucks and runs a lot, and then found out that he's not so much tuck and run. So I'm not so much worried about that part. You know, he's really a. I, I look at him more as of an Alex Smith than anything. He's a. I think he's a really good game manager. You know, that can make a, a lot of really good throws when he needs to. But I don't really see Teddy Bridgewater as being like one of those guys that you know a, a Brady a Manning. A, you know, Drew Brees, who's just going to be flinging it all around. But he's also not uh, Mike Vick or a uh, uh, Cam Newton to where he's going to be trying to use his legs a lot. Like, he's somewhere right there in the middle. And so because of the way he plays, I think he'll be fine. Uh, this, is, this is a hard one to really kind of answer because there's so many – factors medically that kind of roll into this situation. I just guess my question, why did you laugh when I mentioned can Teddy Bridgewater be good enough to play for the Vikings this year? I never thought he was that good in the first place. Ah. Um I I thought he was fine. I thought I I think everybody was making him out to be better than what he was his rookie season and really expecting a lot of things out of him his sophomore season obviously he didn't make it there. Um but I I mean he he was fine his rookie season. I don't think he was great. Um, he's definitely not the best quarterback to come out of that draft class. It, the one thing that you can say is they've matured that receiving core since he came in, and now there are tools there that have grown and matured and run routes. They have three um, legit options uh, in uh, Rudolph and Diggs, Diggs and, and Thielen. Yes, yeah. and you know, and McKinnon's a fine back. I've always thought he was a, a good third down back. I don't. We'll see how he thrives in that feature role if they played great last to go. week. He did. He did. He had one of his best games of his career last week, um, but. It it just kind of comes down to me. I, I, I always looked at Bridgewater as more. I like I said, I thought he was fine. I think he's more in that game management tier. I don't think he's a special player um, like Deshaun Watson looks like he might be. Like yeah, yeah. you see the difference there. That's, like yeah. you never saw that that special flash that you're seeing out of Watson right off the bat. You saw moments that you're like, okay. Uh, to be honest, I 
I, I liken him to a guy like Trevor Simeon. And what do I think of Simeon? I think he's fine. I think he's a guy that can be the starter for this team. But I don't think he's Peyton Manning. I don't think he's no. Deshaun Watson, you know, who's a, a possible budding star in the making. But like he's said, a fine he's quarterback. Smith. I think he's Alex Smith. I think exactly. he's a- I think he's a fine quarterback, but to be Alex Smith in, in five and zero, and he's always been really consistent, I'll take that. And I think that's what most people he's you know I'll, most people don't want that. They most want a people, superstar. Well, that's because Alex Smith is as as great as his teams have been, especially since he's been with the Chiefs. He's never made it to the Super Bowl. He has never made it to the Super Bowl. You had a guy in Colin Kaepernick who nobody wants on their team now take a team to a Super Not Bowl. Not necessarily all his fault. If he had a kicker that could make a kick then maybe he does just, play the just saying that that's that's the knock on him i think he's fine I, and i've seen plenty of quarterbacks in that caliber you know we've seen trent dilfer who is a good quarterback but he was more of a game manager won a super bowl those guys can win you super bowls i just trent dilfer though i like i like teddy bridgewater a lot and i liked i liked him more than jesse did when when he was uh playing at his full strength i just don't think he'll be able to recover from the injury physically or mentally that's going to be the hardest part is just trusting your body again to be able to do the things that you used to do that's really hard especially when it's a, a leg-based injury so i i think he'll give it a go obviously maybe not this year but i just don't know if he'll ever be anywhere near what he was there's going to be some rust there you know the nfl is so fast everybody at every position they're so fast so it's going to be some rust it's going to take them time all right next year coming up next Text them in now. Your questions to the Bridgeport Beers. Text line at 55305. We will do our fantasy scramble segment and answer as many as we can. This is Football Sunday on 1080 The Fan. This is what you get when you wait until the last minute. It's your pick. Fine, whatever. Blah, 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 blah. This guy. A kicker. I like kickers. Listen up, you fantasy coaches. Mike and Rashad are here to save your butt with some last-minute injury news and roster advice. The only reason my team finished as terrible as it is because everybody on the team was hurt. Literally every single player on my team was hurt. This is Fantasy Scramble, part of Football Sunday on 1080 The Fan. All right, text them in now to the Bridgeport Beers text line at 55305. Your fantasy starts their questions. We'll get to as many as we can here. Might extend it a bit into the next segment if we need to. Uh, we're off at 930 today, so we're doing this early, uh, which we normally do at this time when we have this show schedule. First question that came in. Uh, Matt in Portland needs a flex. Pierre Garcon at Washington. No Josh Norman playing. Amari Cooper or Chris Thompson, the Redskins running back at home versus San Francisco. Uh, do not start Amari Cooper. Do not touch Amari Cooper until he figures it out. He is unstartable right now. I know uh, Derek Carr is back. I don't care. Uh, he didn't play well with Derek Carr before he got hurt. And uh, it's continuing to be bad for Amari Cooper. Not getting a lot of red zone looks either. So it comes down to Pierre Garcon at Washington or Chris Thompson at, or at home versus San Francisco. Uh, Thompson had an awful game. Two weeks ago, they had a bye last week, but he is the third down back there. He's going to catch a lot of passes. However, Rob Kelly is healthy again. Samaje Ryan is healthy again. I think that's going to eat into his touches. So I will say Pierre Garçon is my pick for you at the flex. I like Pierre Garçon at flex. Well, um, <laughs> yeah, it, it's, that's easy. I'm uh, sorry. <laughs> I, I don't think it's necessarily easy. I think that there is a little bit of thought that you could throw Thompson in there. He has had his moments. Now, here's the thing. Uh, Thompson also has come back down to earth, whereas Pierre Garçon's more of a consistent guy. Um, so He's the I, only guy catching passes. He there. really is. I, I mean, they, everyone, every week they have a, somebody else kind of come in there and kind of compliment Garçon, but he's been consistent. It was their tight end last week, Kittle or whatever? Yeah, Kittle was last week. It was uh, that rookie Taylor, the the little slot guy that they wanted to liken to. Everybody wants to be likened to um, Edelman. But anyways, um, I've, 
I would go Garcon as well. Um, and, and what, but this is another one of those things. I think Garcon's ceiling is limited. So if you really think you need the points, uh, Thompson's shown his ceiling is actually higher. So it's it's more of a do you want the safe play or the home run here? But the the safe play to me is is Garcon. This one. Uh appears fairly easy to me Deshaun Watson or Kirk Cousins uh, I know they're both playing bad defenses Cousins is playing the Niners uh, although they're a better defense than you'd think and Watson's playing the Browns but right now Deshaun Watson I feel like is a must start every week uh, he's had uh, at least in my league which actually gives less points to quarterbacks he's had 69 points nice 69 <laughs> points in the last two See weeks what you did there <laughs> yeah. and that to me is you have to start Deshaun Watson right now no matter the matchup I, I kind of I have a personal situation in my league where I've got Marcus Mariota, who's been hurt, and I have Carson Wentz as my backup. I Even when Mariota's healthy, I think I'm going to keep starting Wentz. Wentz has been that stinking good. He's into must-start status. Yeah. That's what Deshaun Watson is right now, so I'm going to pick him over Kirk Cousins. Uh, Deshaun Watson is my quarterback. Um, I still have Andrew Luck. I'm not willing to let him go yet, but yet still, um, I, I think he's, a he's he's like you said, he's a must-start. I got Andrew Luck in my IR spot. I got Tom Brady on my bench, and I got Andrew Luck in the starting spot. I mean, not Andrew, but Deshaun Watson in the starting spot. So your quarterback situation there. So I'm just going to go ahead and say, yeah, you're starting Watson over Cousins if I'm starting him over Brady. <laughs> I'm just saying. The, uh, the next one that came in, full PPR, Alex Collins, that would be the uh, Ravens running back. Aaron Jones, that would be the Packers running back. Roger Lewis, the new number one for the Giants at wide receiver, at least while Sterling Shepard is hurt. And then uh, Matt Breida, the backup running back in San Francisco. So I'm going to eliminate a couple here first. Um, Matt Breida has looked good, but Carlos Hyde is still the number one back there. And I think that's going to be uh, – that, that's he's good. He's a good running back to have, but I wouldn't start him in my uh, in my – flex spot right now um alex collins is not the starter in baltimore that's still buck allen so i wouldn't start collins there so it's down to aaron jones and roger lewis to me uh, jones actually looked really good last week the question is uh, did you is ty montgomery playing is he healthy uh, uh he, he is, is expected to play now um <laughs> the whole idea is it, jones has worked his way into the lineup the question is how much and then Roger Lewis is interesting. I, I added him in fantasy this week because I sadly had to drop a good backup receiver just to fill my tight end position last week. Um, but I, I spent some good money on him. I think just on targets alone, he's going to be a valuable guy to start. However, I don't know how it's going to look yet, so I don't want to start him. So it's tough, but I think I'm going to say Aaron Jones out of these four. Um, hmm. It's a tough one. I know, right? I like Ty Montgomery. But I think Aaron Jones is going to be. Yeah, I think Aaron Jones is going to be the guy. Um, this is kind of a similar situation that you have with Brita, except for I think Jones has come out and he's played better than Brita. Um, Collins, it, despite his efficiency running the ball as far as yards per carry, is not getting double-digit carries every week. Um, and he didn't get the goal line carry last week. That went to um, uh, Buck Allen. So. Yeah, I agree with with Lynch is Lewis or Jones. Um, I'm going to go running back here over over wide receiver. I still think Jones um, has a lot of room to make plays in this offense, and and uh, you know Montgomery probably not 100 percent healthy, so I imagine he'll be on a pitch count today as well. Um, 
Next one is just simply, how do you think Mitchell Trubisky will do this week? Uh, not great. Um, he's a rookie quarterback playing for his second game. He did not look very good against the Vikings. Uh, he's playing at Baltimore, which is always a tough place to play, and their defense is not as bad as it's looked at sometimes this year. I would avoid Trubisky right now at all costs. It's good to have him for potentially being a good quarterback in the future, but I would not touch Trubisky right now. Uh, I actually don't feel strongly about Trubisky. I, I actually like him. I think he'll be okay. Um, I, I don't know if this Baltimore defense is as good as people think. Um, I think they're good but not great. That offense isn't good in Baltimore, so he's definitely got an opportunity to put up some points. He puts up 14 points and they score a field goal or a couple field goals, then I think they beat Baltimore. I don't know if I don't trust their offense at all. So all he has to do is be quasi confident or competent for this game. Who's he throwing the ball to? I mean, <laughs> nobody. No, a, I mean, uh, so Marcus Wheaton's out for a few more weeks. He has a growing injury. Uh, he just came back just so he could get injured again. Uh, it, Kendall Wright's been catching a few balls here or there. Like, Zach Miller, like... Kendall Wright looks like the uh, other guy. Tariq Cohen, like, like I mean, uh, some of these... Like, Cohen's nice, but I think teams have figured out, well, if you stop Cohen, you basically stop their aerial attack. So, uh, I don't think much of Trubisky just because of he has nothing around him. Absolutely. Uh, next question that has come in. Uh, need to start two, Ty Montgomery, Jarek McKinnon, or Amir Abdullah. Uh, this one's a tough one for me because uh, normally I would say Montgomery, but we just talked about how he's he's playing, but he has broken ribs, and there's no, no real certainty that he's going to get a lot of touches. Um, I think – now, I, I spent a big amount of money in my free agency stuff in, free, in fantasy two weeks ago or last week to get Jarek McKinnon. I like him a lot. I love pass-catching running backs. And Latavius Murray fumbles the football every five seconds. So I had a feeling Jarek McKinnon would get into that starting lineup for the Vikings since Dalvin Cook's out for the year. Uh, I like McKinnon a lot, so I think he's a guy you need to start. And against them, it comes down to Ty Montgomery or Amir Abdullah. <laughs> against the Saints defense, I might pick Amir Abdullah here. That's who the Lions are playing this week because I just don't know what Ty Montgomery is going to be doing uh, touches-wise. And at least I know Amir Abdullah will get 15 to 20 as long as they're in the game. So McKinnon and Abdullah are my two. Why are we talking about Abdullah? Everybody has Amir Abdullah. And Everybody's questioning lineup. Amir Abdullah yeah. because they don't because know if they like yeah. him. <laughs> um, but I mean, so far he he hasn't he hasn't really really disappointed. At least not to me. I could be wrong, but um, uh, yeah, Amir Abdullah. So is this two or three? Yes. Okay. Uh, well, this just comes back down to Montgomery probably on a snap count you're probably going to see some Aaron Jones today and that Vikings D is really good against the run they're they're good against the run so I'm going to go McKinnon and Abdullah we're going to this is weird we have a clean sweep every time so far today that's a good thing that means that we're giving good advice to people I would hope or we're all giving the worst <laughs> advice <laughs> the worst advice possible uh this is a tough one for me uh it's Jarek McKinnon or Jay Ajayi and Ajayi was amazing last year. He has not been good this year. And frankly, the entire Dolphins offense has not been good this year. The Jay Cutler experiment not working out. Frankly, Matt Moore should probably be the starter there if we're going to give a little Oregon State love. But um, it's tough for me because Ajayi has a workload that's going to surpass Jarek McKinnon either way. Uh, he's, a, he's, a, he's a workhorse stable back. He's playing an Atlanta defense, which is pretty good, but uh, is, is not the best against the run so far this year. Um, McKinnon's playing the Packers. Yes, if it's a PPR league, that might entice you to play him a little bit more. But I think I'll go in Jesse style here. If you want to be a little bit more risky, 
If you need a bigger pop than Jarek McKinnon, if you want to be a little safer than Jay Ajayi. I, I play it safe. I mean, I, I, t- I take the points because you don't know if you're actually going to get him. I'm taking Jay Ajayi. Charlie's not been good, but I mean, the volume, he's, he's got top five volume. And yeah. in fantasy, you know, it only that takes one big play, man. That, yeah. that translates so much. Like, you, you don't want to sit, and this is kind of a stupid reasoning, but he's got a really good matchup today. And you don't want to sit up, sit Ajayi when he has one of his 200 yard games. Because remember, this is kind of what you anticipate with Ajayi. Like, he's going to have a few blow up games and he's going to have some games where you're just like, come on, man. That's what he did last year. It's kind of what he did to start the season. But a blow-up game's coming. Uh, next question here is uh, is Watson or Kirk Cousins. Another person, same question. We're going to Sean Watson. All three of us answered that a little bit earlier. Uh, Devontae Adams or Adam Phelan? Um, this is an interesting one because Devontae Adams has been really good. Uh, or at least he was really good last week, and he's had a couple of touchdowns uh, earlier as well but he has an inconsistent usage rate because Aaron Rodgers spreads the ball around a lot. Minnesota's defense is pretty good. Their secondary is really good. Um, but Thielen has Case Keenum throwing him the ball, which has proven to be really, um, really inconsistent. He had one good game with Thielen, or I'm sorry, with uh, uh, Case Keenum, but since then has not had a good game. And frankly, outside of week one, Thielen has not played that well. So I'm going to go Devontae Adams here. Uh. I, I like Devontae Adams. I already got four touchdowns in the season so far. Uh, not many receiving yards, so he's looking for more, of, you know, six points than anything else. So uh, I like Thielen to go, too. Thielen's the man. I like Thielen. I think I'm going to go Thielen. Now, this is an interesting stat. And this, just, just so you know, you have a guy like out there like Antonio Brown who's already like, uh, let's see, how many catches does Antonio Brown have out there right now? Uh, he's already at 40 catches on the season. But this is something where, where Thielen beats him. There's one receiver in the NFL and only one who has at least five catches through every game this season. Adam Thielen. I'm, put, I'm putting Thielen out there. All he's right. consistent. we got a couple more questions to get to, and then we'll move on to the weird things that are happening in the NFL. That is coming up next here on Football Sunday on 1080 The Fan. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. 